Hey, Ashley. Hey, Olivia. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. Shall we cheers? We shall. Cheers! My cup is actually empty. (laughs) (laughs) Are you drinking coffee? Yeah, just coffee. Are you drinking anything fancy? No, just coffee. (laughs) I I kind of feel like I need a fancy drink to deal with this book. Oh, yeah. I think that I have a champagne, leftover champagne. Maybe I should pour some. Oh, yeah. I wish I could pour it for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. I have like, a nice bottle of red wine that I opened yesterday. Ooh, I love morning red wine. <laughs> red wine. Mm. Pre-10 o'clock is the perfect time <laughs> to have red wine, don't you know? I feel like it would just make me puke just because. I know, that sounds like so horrible. But white wine actually is very refreshing in the morning. That's true, but I don't have any. I've been moving towards white wine a lot. I think just because, like, the chilledness of it is very refreshing. I agree. I like getting white wine. It's refreshing. It's hot out, so you want that coolness. Mm -hmm. And you can get away with putting an ice cube in it. True, true. And as I, as a teenager once drunkenly like was lecturing people about it has fewer calories than red wine (laughs) (laughs) which is not always true and also is like you're drinking wine who the fuck cares right (laughs) i mean i guess some people care i do not care right right i'm drinking wine i'm just enjoying wine i think i also in the midst of that lecture was like talking about how red wine gets you drunker, which I don't think there's any merit to that, but I don't know. I had like a lot of theories. <laughs> That's really interesting. <laughs> I don't even know. It's like we'll have to look up. I'm like slightly hungover. I should have mentioned that before. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I have like the lowest tolerance. I All I had last night was a glass of rosé and then a uh-huh. G&T. Two drinks. Really? Two drinks. And you're hungover. I'm like slightly Whoa. I'm, like, dehydrated. So my lips, you know that, like, you yeah. know when you're, like, dehydrated after drinking and your lips are super dry and your mouth tastes, like, just kind of gross? Yeah. Not because you didn't brush, like, trust me, I brushed, but <laughs> it's just that, like, there's, like, alcohol still it's there. It's, like, over, yeah, I don't know, it's the weirdest thing, but yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. I feel like red wine does it the worst. Yeah. Like, the post-drinking red wine mouth is, like, the grossest. Yeah. That is how I feel this morning a little bit after the red wine. Yeah. Anyways, just... sorry. Um, do you want to describe this book? Yeah, I'll try. So um, we read Lincoln and the Bardo, a novel by George Saunders. It has a really nice cover. I don't know. I'm, I'm into it. It just it came out so... fairly recently, right? Right. I believe this year. Thus, I couldn't find a soft cover right um anyways beyond that doesn't really matter um so this is such an interesting book okay so lincoln in the bardo so it has to do with um it has to do with abraham lincoln's son willie who in real life died at what was it 10 11 he was like a young young boy um, yeah and he died from pneumonia yeah in the book it's typhoid i think oh sorry okay yeah 
Well, that's probably what it was. I just, I'm yeah. thinking about you and pneumonia, I guess. <laughs> you died from pneumonia. I, I died from pneumonia. <clears throat> Anyways, but actually that wouldn't be out of place for me to have a conversation with you after dying from pneumonia because that's what this book is all about. Um, <laughs> it's So the real life event was that Lincoln's son died and then like after he died, Lincoln went to his like grave and was there for like a night or whatever. Yeah. And so that's like a real life story and it just is like really sad. And so apparently the author heard that story and was like, Hmm, that'll start all of these thoughts about like this other story. And so the story takes place at the cemetery and it's told from the points of view of all of the dead ghosts that are in the cemetery and so that connects to the title the bardo which apparently is like a tibetan word to describe like this sort of like purgatory place between life and death and so it's like all of these um ghosts are telling the story of like willie being there and and not choosing to like move forward because he's like so sad about his dad and then his dad comes um and that's like a really surprising thing because most of the time like nobody's visited by their living after their um after their funerals and so it's like this whole thing about like should willie move on to like the next step or should he not because it's also told by the point of view of the ghosts who have chosen not to like they're here at the cemetery like purposefully not moving on to like the next step because it's so scary and then also interspersed between that is like <clears throat> it's like excerpts from from like narrative accounts of what happened but some of them are real and some of them are not real excerpts I, or are I, all of them not real i could not tell to be honest so it's like that's happening oh and i forgot to mention that it's told in the point of view of these ghosts and it's like formatted on the page almost like a script like a, a play right. right so there's a there's a lot happening <laughs> yeah so but like i guess the main point is it's the story of like will willie move on to the next place right that was actually a very good description a lot better than i could have done <laughs> and it's, i mean the story is it is kind of the structure i think in particular just makes it complicated in terms of like explaining Totally. The structure was, uh, like, I don't know if I liked it, because it was so jumpy and PC. Mm -hmm. Not PC. <laughs> right, not PC, but in many pieces. Yeah. Um, and jump, seemed to, like, jump back and forth between all these different storylines so much that... Yeah. It, was, it took me a long time to read this book. <laughs> I It took me a long time to get into it. Yeah. Like, to start it, because I was just, like, trying yeah. to get my footing. And, like, the very first section, which is told from Hans Bullman's point of view, at first I thought it was Lincoln, and I was like, what? Like, no, that's not, like, historically accurate, because I knew that it involved Lincoln. And so, like, that uh -huh. first... First few pages, first one page is, like, him talking about, like, his marriage to his young wife. And I was like, what? No, I don't think that's the story. And then I realized, oh, it's these other characters. And interestingly enough, I had heard an excerpt of this read. Uh-huh. 
I think it was on the Guardian podcast. I think they did an, like an interview with Saunders and they like read an excerpt of it. God, I can't remember if it was the Guardian or something else, but I heard it on a, a podcast or like a radio story. And so as I started reading it, I was like, "Oh, this is that that like interesting, like bizarre excerpt that I had heard read." And so then for me that was helpful because I remembered them saying like, "Oh, it's told from the point of view of like these ghosts." And it also helped me in understanding cuz the way that dialogue is handled is really strange because oftentimes it's like one character saying he said or she said, but then it'll switch to that other character and they'll say I said. And so remembering yeah. hearing it read, like hearing yeah. it read was really helpful on that one podcast I heard. And so then remembering that helped me get the like flow a lot easier than maybe if I hadn't heard that. <clears throat> yeah, that seems helpful. I I don't remember exactly when I put it together, but it was pretty far into that mm-hmm. I realized what was happening. <laughs> like, maybe too far into it. Um, it was... I feel like I say this a lot, but this is definitely a book that I'm going to revisit later. Right. Not when I have pneumonia, <laughs> and not when I have to, like, have it done for, well, when I thought we were going <laughs> to... It was going to be sick and we would record on time, and when I have, you know infinite time to just sit down and read it because I feel like towards the end of this book I was thinking like as someone who was a poetry major like I should have liked this Mm -hmm. structure um but it also made it so long that's what I think was a little bit exhausting right it's reading in the structure for it's like almost three or over three hundred pages, right? It is really long, yeah. I mean, for a book that is in like kind of an experimental structure, it is really long. Yeah, it's, it was like three hundred forty-three pages or something. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and so because you know there was like a time limit to it, and I was sick, it was like I can't even begin to like dive into this and figure out what's happening um and that's why like towards the end I was like okay now I'm understanding this is making sense this is just like a really artistic way to write this book right but it took me a while to get into it and to figure out what was happening yeah it's really interesting because like I've had conversations about like books that are written in like non-traditional structures and how Mm -hmm. Like, they have to teach you how to read it. Like, um, like Blindness, the book Blindness, yeah. is one of those books where, like, because the dialogue is not formatted in a regular way, it has to, like, kind of teach you how to read it. And so it takes a little while. And this definitely was one of those where I feel like half the battle at the beginning is just, like, like I said, getting your footing or, like, trying to understand the, the way that it's structured. Yeah. And I think... I'd be really curious to read it or hear it as an audiobook. Like, I feel like this would be such a good audiobook. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wonder, like you mentioned, like, there's, it's obvious, it's obviously, like, very poetic. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know, I know that he's, like, a best-selling author, and I don't know what his background is, but it seems like he's he's maybe coming from the point of view of somebody who is like maybe a poet or well, <clears throat> I don't know him but um I just 
I really enjoyed it, but I wondered, like, this, like, form versus function question. Like, mm-hmm. if... If I hadn't have if I hadn't heard the reading of the excerpt, I know it would have taken me a whole lot longer to like get into the structure, kind of like you're describing. And I wonder, I because I really enjoyed it, and I wonder if I would have enjoyed it less if I didn't have that little like sort of tip about like, oh, here's how you read it, you know. For me personally, like thinking back to just for example, like reading all the Harry Potter books yeah. and those really long books, one of the ways that I would get through them quickly is you start, I would start kind of like blurring out the, the names at the end because you kind of got a, an idea of everyone's personalities and the way that they would talk. Yeah. So I had that issue here where I would just like skim over the names, yeah. but I didn't really feel like I could dive into their personalities so I kept getting confused and I would go back and like remember to actually look at who's talking where right probably about a quarter of the way through I was pretty confident with the main like I was very confident with the main characters like Roger and Hans and um uh what's his name the reverend yeah and I could tell who was who and so I could kind of skim their sections yeah but when we had all of the voices of the other um, dead ghosts, I guess, come in, that was really confusing to me because mm-hmm. it was, like, so much happening. And a lot of their comments were, like, non sequiturs, or at least they seemed like it. Maybe if I go back and read, it'll make more sense after seeing what happens to them. But Right. It, so I, like... I am always an unabashed fan. This is going to seem like a tangent, but let me get So, I love Stephen King. I'm not embarrassed to say. But, like, one of the things that always I joke and laugh about is the fact that he gets, like, way too into character development. And so, like, that's why his books are so fucking long is because he just, like, delves into way too much, like, unnecessary character development, which is enjoyable when you're in the world of a book if you really mm-hmm. want to care about those characters, but sometimes just is extraneous to the plot. Like, let's move the plot forward. Um, yeah. And I feel like Saunders delved... There was a lot of backstory for a lot of characters who we didn't end up necessarily, like, needing to know for very long in the in the course of the plot. Some of them, yes. Especially, like, at the end when they like that moment where they were able to like actually speak their truths. And there was that like moment of like synchronicity. Like that Uh was really cool because then we got to see, Oh, the characters who we met who were dealing with like these like unsolved business, (laughs) like the Casper phrase for like the ghost, but you know, we were able to see them like sort of come through the, whatever issue was holding them still here. And that was really cool. But then there were other characters where I feel like we just delved a lot into their backstory and then we didn't really end up coming back to them. Or maybe we could have, like, understood the power of that moment without knowing quite so much at the beginning. So I feel like there was a lot of characterization that was maybe a little bit extraneous. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, I actually had a similar moment towards the end where they are, as you said, like, speaking their truths. Mm -hmm. Um where I was like, okay, this may, like this is why we have this story. Like, this is good detail. Like, this is totally a great section. It's making sense. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but I feel like that was, yeah, I don't know. I guess just kind of repeating what you're saying. That was one of those moments where I was just like, yeah, this is like 
personal amount of detail. Everything's making sense here. I'm enjoying it. There, there was a lot of uh, information about the characters there, but it wasn't um, too much or unnecessary at all. Right. I like the section a lot. That was a really good section. Um, and there's a lot of movement. Like I think that was a section where there was a lot of different characters in it, mm-hmm. but it kind of created some like a level of excitement in the book. Yeah. There's a lot happening and um, a lot of information coming out. So that actually gets to like another thing that I wanted to talk about with the book, which is like obviously this book is like contemplating grief and loss and death and sorrow and like what comes next, right? Like those themes are coming up. Um, Also, I think it's complicated because it's also trying to make some commentary about like how this historical figure, Abraham Lincoln, became who he was and made the choices he made. Because like we have at the same time all of these excerpts um, from these like written accounts or whatever, you know, the all of the excerpts that come in that are kind of like placing um, this story within like a historical context. And again, I'm not sure if they're real or not, but it kind of is moot whether or not they are because they like place this story within the context of Abraham Lincoln after like the initial beginnings of the civil war and these battles where so many died. And then it, it, it's happening before, like before a lot of the action of the war happened. Mm-hmm. And so part of the story, which is really interesting to me was when Lincoln, we like enter his mind. I forget through whom, but he's like, he's having this realization about like the grief he's dealing with and how it's being shared like with so many other people who are dealing with the deaths of their sons, brothers, fathers, etc. through the course of this war, which like he feels responsible for. But then mm-hmm. he also comes to the realization that for him, like he, he wants to, he feels like those deaths have to happen for the greater good. So he's also wrestling with this idea of like, grief on an individual level versus, like, greater good that comes in war versus, like, grief on a large-scale level. And so that's a lot that's happening. And it's, like, this is also, it seems like, trying to explain how and why he made the decisions he did or or how his son's death, you know, may have influenced that, right? That's a lot that's happening. So we have, right. like, all of these huge themes. And to come back to what you're saying some of the sections don't have a lot of, like, movement to them, right? It's, like, very contemplative. You have characters, like, ruminating on their histories. You have Uh characters, like, talking in the moment or, you know, having reflections, which is, like, interesting. But in terms of, like, movement of plot through the stories, there are some really, like, sort of slow parts. And... I don't know how you feel, but I really enjoy, like, contemplative and sometimes slow writing, but I could totally see how somebody reading this would be like, nothing is happening right now. Right. I also enjoy moments like that. Um, I think I had kind of a mixed opinion, though, in what you're saying, where there's a lot happening. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I was like, okay, like, this is really interesting, but, like, there are so many different storylines happening and mm-hmm. major conversations happening that I kind of wanted a little bit more movement mm-hmm. throughout the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I also, 
I don't know, kind of jumping off of what you were saying earlier in that conversation, did you like that, that they were essentially like explaining why Lincoln did all of this? Do you like that that was happening in this book or do you feel like, how do you feel about that? Um, or trying to explain like his reasons. Yeah, I, I liked it in that I think that it wasn't always really explicit Mm-hmm. And I liked those moments when I, as like a reader, had the room to sort of come to my own conclusions. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it was a lot to try to accomplish within one book. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it was too much. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, I really enjoyed this book. And I would... I would definitely say, kind of like you mentioned before, that this is a book that I want to go back and reread at a slower pace, more as maybe a, read it almost like I would read philosophy as opposed to read it like I would read like a plotted novel. Right. That's interesting. So I don't know. I guess the short answer is I don't know how I feel about it, about that element. That's essentially how I feel. Um... I thought that, so I've never read a piece of historical fiction before, Um, so there was a level of it to me where I was like, it was hard for me to kind of mix those things, Mm -hmm. where this is a real person with semi-real storylines in here, right? and then a lot of fiction and assumptions and added Mm storylines, and so I think that's another reason why it was a little bit difficult for me to process right right so I don't yeah I don't know how I feel about all of that I guess like you said it did give me room to kind of think for myself which I really like when I have that room yeah um but it was interesting I don't know I mean I think as I just keep repeating like I really want to sit down and read this slowly right um like I mentioned by the time I was getting to the end, I was like, okay, I want to read each section and then put it down. Like, read it like you would a book of poetry, too. Like, mm-hmm. here's the first section, you read it, you put it down, you think about it, and you come back later. Right. Because I think that you could read this slowly and over time and still, you know, have a good concept of what's happening. Yeah. Maybe because not that much stuff is actually happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, like, two thoughts. Number one, I cannot believe that you've never read historical fiction before. I'm not a huge, like, history fan. That's wild. Okay, the only reason I said that is because, like, as a kid, I was, like, all into that, like, Dear America shit. Like, I just loved oh, all of really? those historical... Like, that was my jam. Um, That's so, anyways. Number two, <laughs> kind of about the plot thing. Um, there is this author who has a really good book about um, sort of the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Benjamin Percy, and the book is Thrill Me. Really, mm-hmm. really interesting and good. And um, I actually saw him come to MPC and speak a couple weeks ago um, mm-hmm. through that creative writing class I was taking. So that was really cool. And one of the things he talks about is how, like, as a kid, he loved all of the stuff that you would consider, like, campy and pulpy. Like, he loved, like, you know fantasy and action-y stories that, like, really move the plot forward, but, like, are just sometimes not really well-written, like, well-crafted. And then 
Then, later on in life, he went through an MFA program, and it was, like, no genre fiction, and that was, like, the rule, because genre fiction is considered, like, campy and pulpy, and, like, just not well-written, and so then he got into all of the, like, beautifully crafted authors, people who are considered, like, you know, classic writers and, like, modern geniuses, but at the same time had the realization that a lot of those stories, it's, like, there's not really much happening in the plot, right? Like it's a right. it's a contemplative character. I think as he put it, like drinking a cup of tea and looking out at the mountains and setting the cup of tea back down, and that's the entire <laughs> course of the story. And like, yes, it gets into a lot of like big ideas, and yes, maybe it's like beautifully well written. But like at the end of the day, it doesn't like move you forward excitedly, like maybe you get from the campy stuff. And so, right, his philosophy is really about melding those two together, like. Mm-hmm bringing together exciting plots with well-crafted, beautifully written, contemplative, thoughtful ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is something that I have been thinking about a lot ever since reading that book. Um, and also kind of remember last summer when we were reading so many mystery books. Right. And some of them were not very well written, but we kept on saying, like, I had to turn the next, like, I had to keep on reading. Right. And so that's something that recently has totally been on my mind. Like, I want to, I want to see the authors who meld that together well because it's undeniable that, like, as people who like to read, when you find a book that you just want to read to the next page, it's enjoyable. Right. Sometimes, exactly. regardless of the writing. But then also, yeah. as people like you and I both were creative writing majors, and we actually like want to like sink our teeth into like well-written like beautiful prose too like that is important as well and so I feel like this when that moment kind of when you were talking about where the characters like as you said like spoke their truth and there was like a lot of action there were like some really good moments of action in this book um that I feel like melded the two of them together really interestingly and well yeah I mean as you were just explain that I was like oh I guess this book kind of kind of does that you know he it is historical fiction but he's writing it in a new and inventive way mm-hmm. um that seems I mean well I guess I can't necessarily say if it's a new and inventive way because I haven't <laughs> read any before for all I know every historical fiction book is written like this but um <laughs> seems like a new and inventive way and you know it's trying to make this if not more exciting in the subject matter more exciting in the way that it's written yeah i guess ultimately like i really did enjoy this book Uh and i also must uh admit that like so the novel that I will hopefully someday finish that I started in that creative writing class that I am making very slow progress on, but trying my best, um, is told from the first person point of view of a ghost. So like, this is my jam. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So I feel like it was definitely playing to my current interests. (laughs) Right. Totally. I mean, again, to just keep repeating the same thing, that's also why I want to read this again because that is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's such a great idea. Uh, it just took me too long to figure out that that's what was happening. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think that the my issues with this book are primarily my own fault. 
and that I just want to read it over and yeah. try again. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, I think that it, it, like, the reasons that you want to read through it again are that, like, the first time through, it was a little bit confusing. Yeah. And I think that's a valid critique of the book. Yeah, it was a little tricky. Would you recommend it? I totally would, but I would recommend it, like, with the caveat that it's not, it's not something that you can just, like, sit down and whip through. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would be best enjoyed as a book that you're just like, oh, I'm going to read a little bit while I'm, right. you know, I don't know. Or like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm on vacation and I just want to read something light and fluffy. Like, it's not a light and fluffy <laughs> book. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think I would give a little bit of an explanation about what's happening. Yeah. Let's not dive into it too much, but just... I think if I was a little bit more prepared, I would have enjoyed it on the first read more. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, explaining the structure and giving some hints as to, like, how you can make sense of it would be really helpful. Yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah. I'm we read it, though. Um, I feel like this is one of those things that lots of people are talking about, and it's, like, a new book, and literally I still see it everywhere. So I feel like now I can be, like, talking to everyone about this book instead of being kind. Very hip, uh, in the know, in the book now. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, like, always people on BART reading it, so I can be like, oh, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> so funny. You should, like, look at their facial expressions to see, like, how confused they are. <laughs> right, they're just like, what's happening? They're like, well, I've read this already. Let me help you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Be obnoxious about it. I think that sounds awesome. So we're reading uh, the Book of Joan. Yes, by what's the author's name? Lydia Yuknavich. Yuknavich. Yes. Yeah. So next is the Book of Joan. So where can everyone find us? We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail at. Drunk of the Book. Mm-hmm. And then we also have our website, drunkofthebook.com. Basically, mm-hmm. if you just go Drunk of the Book, um, <laughs> we're on <laughs> Stitcher and on, um, what's it called? Podcasts? <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> iTunes. iTunes. <laughs> we're on Stitcher and iTunes, uh, Drunk of the Book Club. And... Yeah. What we would love more than anything is if y'all want to leave us a review. It can be bad. It can be good. Just leave a review. Yeah, just leave a review and tell all your friends to listen to us. Let's get reading.